Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. Support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. And to bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. And I will obey. The orders of. The President of the United States. And the orders of. And welcome to episode five of the American Vet Podcast. I have the pleasure to be sitting here with Matt. He is a U.S. Navy veteran who served from 2000 to 2005 in counter drug operations. He's actually correcting me right now. It's 2000 to 2004. So sorry about that, Matt. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I am feeling wonderful. I am great to be here. So where are you from? I am originally from a town called Auburn, Alabama. Alabama. How's the weather down there? Oh, Lord. Uh, it's one day it'll be 60 degrees and somewhat survivable, a little bit of rain. And you wait another day and it think dropped down to like 30 or 40 and then 50 <laughs> during the day. And now it's going to rain and drop down to... I guess the twenties and not snow. So like snow cripples Alabama. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, it was, uh, over the weekend up here for me up in New England, we had 60 and 70 degree days on Sunday. It got up to 70, but it dropped at 5 PM. It dropped probably 20, 30 degrees almost in a half hour. Um, and then now today it was 13. So <laughs> it felt like negative one. So we got a, a snowstorm coming this weekend, but I think we're only supposed to get like six inches or so. So nothing, nothing too bad. It's just going to ruin the weekend for us. I was going to say back to normal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So I guess, uh, what made you join the Navy? Um, I, th well, to be honest with you, one of the bizarre things is I know that I wasn't the best condition to to get into college or to go to college and graduate. Okay. I didn't have any – I didn't ever want to be an English teacher, so I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> yeah. um, my parents asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and I, for the longest time, time told them nothing. I really right. didn't want to do anything with my life. And they said, well, you're not going to stay here. So I really took this as a sign that I probably wasn't going to stay at home. Right. Um, I originally had talked to the Marines because I, I think they were a good fit for you know, crazy people. Right. And um, God bless the guy who, uh, uh, you know, for the Marine recruiter who had actually got in touch with me, uh, liked the fact that I was a okay student, I somewhat stayed out of trouble. Yep. Well, he... Finishes the spiel, says he's ready to get get me on board, but I should come back when I lose eighty five pounds. Wow! Because <laughs> I went to go talk to him, I was easily two eighty five, probably up and down to two eighty five, short of three hundred pounds. Wow! 
And, well, he didn't seem that interested. <laughs> well, he went through the motions at least, huh? <laughs> yeah, give benefit of a doubt. Um, yeah. Um, I roughly talked to the the Navy recruiter. Yep. And it was kind of a lukewarm thing. Not just didn't seem very interested. It's not not the weight. The weight wasn't the only thing. But I actually talked to another recruiter who was a friend of, of a mother, my mother's. Yep. And we just seemed to, I guess, mesh and they at least gave the idea that they were interested in trying to get me in the military. I remind you, I was overweight. Yeah. Well, long story short, I busted my ass dieting. I went to the gym all the time with a with a good friend of mine. Yeah. Ran around town a lot. Um, didn't know a lot about physical fitness, even though I was an athlete. But, you know, one time. Right. Um, and I was able to lose enough weight and sign my name and was able to go and. Yeah, uh, that's wow. a that's how it was. It was not as standard as other people who just showed up. Right, I, I did have to fight. I did have to weigh and tape. Yeah, I did have to. I wasn't like every other, you know. Yeah, show up, sign the paperwork, and there you go. Yeah, it was a little bit different. Yeah, but it's still amazing though, because you went from kind of, you know, I'm picturing you from just saying, hey, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to want anywhere. I'm just happy where I'm at now. To let me go to the gym every day. Let me let me lose eighty five pounds to to get into something that well. Let's be honest. We didn't know if you were going to like it or not. You know. So I mean, right there is kind of an awesome story. Right there. It it was a tough. It it was tough. And I look back and it I did, it was one of those things you would think would be impossible as a kid. It wasn't. And I look at other things that I've been able to do in my life. And I honestly think that it, I probably should have been shooting higher, but it still <laughs> felt like being a lazy kid yeah. and actually just trying. Like, I'm serious, just trying. Yeah. That's why I was, I was actually kind of jealous at the Marines. So this is where I went in. And I noticed how quick I could lose weight. I was like, oh, shit. What, <laughs> what would have stopped me from getting into a little bit better shape? You bare minimum amount of pull-ups or something. Right. And I'll get into that in a little bit, too. That's a teaser. But um, <laughs> the the pull-ups and just doing a bare, you know, getting into the Marines, it's not that I was big on hoorah, you know, but right. God bless my leatherneck brothers. But, <laughs> you know, putting your mind to something, and, yeah, that was kind of like a big accomplishment. It's probably like the at the time second or third biggest accomplishment I was able to pull off. So and I, I don't feel like I ripped anybody off. I don't feel like I, you know, had to go lie or like, you know, I, I right. didn't like threaten to kill a Senator or anything like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a polite, a polite uh, interjection uh, folks, the people viewing this, I did not ever threaten a senator. I said I actually did it honestly. <laughs> okay, so in, in boot camp, um, obviously I was in the Marine Corps, so I don't know a whole lot about Navy boot camp. But what's the hardest thing about Navy boot camp? Um, well, for me, it was probably dealing with idiocy. Okay, it the whole it's it's. A lot of people know about the military, and then you, between us two, 
time management when it comes to other people is not a strong suit. Right. And it felt like we did more waiting around than we actually did anything productive. Yeah. And, and I think that was almost, almost designed to train you to be bored you know, in the, in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm a relatively, I was, I was an active person, but uh, my, my brain is always doing something. Right. And I studied enough of the garbage we had to study. I, I, I we did enough of, you know, doing little drills and stuff. And part of it was boring. Part of it was dealing with the idiots. Part of it was other people trying to make your job harder. And it's just, it wasn't just instructors. It just seemed like you were trying to BS your way through it. So people would leave you alone. And everybody, I honestly felt like at one time I was supposed to be hard charging. I was supposed to be, you know, like, True to damn the torpedoes. I'm right. supposed to. Every person in my division is supposed to be honor grad. Not quite. <laughs> it's the, there's a lot of us that made it through, and it's because we kept our heads down and yep. we did what we were supposed to. It's not that we were inspired. It's not that you know. Learn. I learned barely learned how to take care of my uniforms. I, you know, still to this day don't like ironing, right. but. It's exactly that. I mean, yeah. it, it's not that it's not that boot camp was hard. Physically, sure, but right. I survived. I shut up. Look, everybody, everybody seemed to either have like get frustrated or cry out of frustration. Yeah. And the thing is, I went and hid like in the corner and pounded freaking bricks. Mm-hmm. I get mad, but you know what? I'm sorry. You had to learn. Uh, I imagine the Marines have more of this where you have to learn that mindset and you have to, it's not just adapt, but you have to roll through it. Uh, Yesterday was your worst day. I mean, really it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow could suck more. Could be worse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like how it is in, uh, in, at Paris Island. It's just, you know, shit's going to hit the fan no matter what happens, no matter what you do. Somebody along the line is going to really fuck something up. So every day shit's going to hit the fan and, you just got to learn how to, to deal with getting yelled at in your face without really uh, losing your own cool and stuff. And I got to tell you, for me, it's uh, – I went in there, you know, like a smart-ass kid that, you know, fuck you, fuck him. You know, you're not going to you're not gonna tell me. You're not going to yell in my face, you know. Kind of had that attitude when I went in that uh, I don't have to give you respect. You should just show it to me first kind of thing. And they pretty much straightened that right out for me. And I'm absolutely – Glad that they did, and I I made a decision to go there because I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. I guess I was blessed to have uh, RDCs uh, in the Navy. That's um, the ones that we had. Uh, that that's drill instructors for anybody else. They're called RDCs in the Navy. Yeah, and it, it's not that that was terrible. Um, they gave us leeway, and they really threw the bricks at people they were trying to get rid of. That was kind of the good part. Yeah. If you kept if you kept your head down and you weren't that much of a smart ass. We did have a couple smart asses, but the guy who wasn't an artist about it, right? He's the one they got rid of. And <laughs> they, the other piece, I think they knew about morale, like a morale booster. A smart ass who's good at morale yep. and could do the job, they'd have a problem with. The other guy we had, he was he was the opposite and 
they knew that he made people mad and they knew he had a mouth and he was always like never stopped. Yeah. And, yeah. I, like, yeah, he found himself kicked back a couple weeks and I was laughing. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm glad it was him. I was, I, I hope the weird thing is now I look back, I hope he had a actually good career. Right. And if he found the right kind of place, he'd probably have a blast doing it. So. Yeah, it could have just been in that situation where he was in a somewhere where he didn't want to be, so he was just more of a an asshole about it. Well, there was there was a lot of us. <laughs> so, how long is your uh, Navy boot camp? Usually speaking, it they they I think it's two months, but um, at the beginning you have probably up to two weeks of uh, P days, um, as much as processing. It's called yep. processing. Okay. And being in P days, it's about as slow and it doesn't count for anything besides getting holes put in your rear end and <laughs> Yeah, get the peanut butter shot there. You make that face there every time. <laughs> I uh, didn't know what was going on there. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> that's what that's what you look like when they march you around. Marching around the very beginning and you're like the saddest looking like Oh yeah. I I'm not making light of the Holocaust, but they look like like yeah. people that were that escape from like Auschwitz, like a, a week after, you know, yeah. and, and like sunken eyes, and they they kind of like this. They, yeah. they can't hold themselves up. Yeah, that's Scared, what it looks like. Yeah. So, like, in, in, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, in uh, in Navy in Navy boot camp. So in the Marine Corps, I wonder if it's the same. When you first get there, you don't actually get to wear your boots. For a little while, you have to wear like uh, well, what, what they call them is go fasters, but they're sneakers. You wear sneakers for the first, I think it's like about the first week or so, whatever. And then you finally get to wear boots and lace them up and blouse them and everything else. Is the same thing for the navy, or do you actually get to wear the full, full uniform when you get there? I know, I think they've changed it since then. Yeah, but for a while it was exactly like what you had mentioned. It's a certain time frame, and they when they finally clear you, yeah, they get you to. You get to wear your your boots. Um, we're a little bit different because we all look like a bunch of jackoffs. But um, <laughs> you went from wearing PT gear when it's ninety degrees outside, which is really nice long yep. long pants, uh, long sweatpants, and <laughs> you know, I hate this. You know, yeah, you know, people look like a bunch of bunch of idiots walking around in PT gear, not doing anything. Right. Right. So, <laughs> With the reflector belt or whatever going around their waist and stuff. <laughs> Which is weird. I don't think we had that, but until we became actual, you got real uniforms, so their yeah. utilities, and which, well, don't even get me started there, that looked goofy too, but <laughs> yeah, you got the, the road guard got the belt. The yeah. road guard got the belt, and walking out in the middle of traffic like you're going to stop somebody in the... yeah. Yeah, just, oh, Lord. We did that crap, too. I think once or twice I got caught up in something like that. But it's about as dumb as you would think it would be. Yeah. And now I think they changed boot camp because it was supposed to do, like, stress stress fractures. They changed. I'm not sure if they they only wear boots for certain evolutions. Right. And they wear tennis shoes for everything else or... It's a, they yeah, wear yeah. them. They wear you know boondocker boots less now than they do 
back when I was there. Cause right. even when we had final, you know, final evolutions, there were certain times you ran around in boats or sometimes you did that. The right. PT and PT tests, obviously you would think PT gear and uh, tennis shoes. Right. And obviously, yeah, it, it wasn't hard. It wasn't enjoyable. Your, your feet ached, but I mean, it's realistically speaking, I think it, it programmed you to be on your feet for feature for 20 hours a yeah. day by doing that and, and obviously only making, you know, two hours of sleep and dealing with sleepwalkers. So you can, <laughs> you're used to being on a ship. I think right. it's stunk less in boot camp, but yeah. Yeah. I can't smell that good on a ship, especially <laughs> when you get down three, four levels there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, boot camp, boot camp wasn't hard per se. Right. Monot- monotonous. Sure. Dealing yeah. with some of the other people. Eh. So where did you, uh, when you got out of boot camp, did you, do you have to go to any other extra training or did you actually get to go out to your MOS and, and duty station? Oh, here's the kicker, people. Um, <laughs> the Naval Training Center, Great Lakes, is, uh, they call it across the street. Yep. Technically, it's down the road a little bit. Uh, Great Lakes, Illinois. Now the bad part, I went to, I was supposed to go to electronic school for probably two years. Okay. And I was only there for a short amount of time and I got kicked out. Now, as per a lot of the Navy, you do end up in, they call it a school or they might even have you in other type of training type schools. Um, I guess they would call that AIT for my, uh, I'm going to say it was AIT is what I think the Army guys got. I'm right. not sure what the Marines got. We had uh, Marine Combat Training, MCT. Okay. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> For your specialty, your MOS in yep. the Navy, or your rating job, yep. they usually sent you to a school. You don't have to go to school to learn most of those jobs, but you kind of get them... It's kind of halfway point. You kind of start weeding people out. And, well, it's, I was one of those people who kind of, when it came to grades, I bit the, I bit the bullet and got kicked out of uh, school. Um, yeah. not, not a terrible thing, but <laughs> it, uh, being processed in and out, in and around, it's not very efficient. So it took me several months. And that winter, I ended up, November, I ended up in Virginia where I went to an actual MOS school. Okay. Best way to describe this is you ever seen, this is for your, your listeners too. Yep. The viewers. Um, my job, if you've ever seen the commercials, Navy commercials where they're looking at radar, the big radar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you see that one guy over the other guy and they're pointing and the other people are like this. Yeah. I'm that bewildered looking guy like that that was technically what i was trained to do okay so you were there to to sit there as close as possible to the computer and let everybody else tell you what button to hit. well it, it felt like it and i was <laughs> yeah. behind this big radar this radar and i'm suite. sure i'm sure that that job is tremendously harder than what i just made it sound out to be but that's what the commercials make it look like well you just imagine sitting there for six hours and nobody comes to relieve you you're, I mean, sometimes there's nothing on the screen. That's a it's dirty just, secret. Like the Russians are like taking notes, like, God, it's as bad as we are. You know, <laughs> comrade Vladimir is like, 
you know, with a stripe of cool stripe of shirts. Um, <laughs> and Adidas he, pants. He's taking notes. Tucking his gold chain in there. He knows nothing. He knows nothing. <laughs> Comrade Vlad. Yeah. But it was kind of monotonous at times. And when things got serious, they got serious. But technically, you know, getting the CD ops thing, mm-hmm. I was trained to do missile planning and chase after submarines and uh, gunfire support. Wow. Uh, all sorts of stuff that was our actual like warfare platform. Well, take a while, guess people. They sent us because of the type of ship we were on. They sent us to do counter drug operations. Perfect. <laughs> and yes, I'm jealous of the because uh, I was just talking about Comrade Vladimir. He yep. approves of uh, if that's oh no, is that Tito's or yeah, yeah, that's that's Tito's. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, I'm making another drink. So. <laughs> I thought it was Smirnoff. I said, Comrade Vladimir approves of Smirnoff. No, no, it's a Tito's. You you awful Americans know nothing. (laughs) Hey, Tito's is (laughs) gluten-free. I know nothing of gluten. (laughs) The counter-drug operations, for folks that don't know, a lot of people don't know before drugs ever get to the Mexican uh, border or Miami, they originate and it's originally processed in Colombia. Okay. And quite often they use speedboats and semi submersibles, which are kind of like tiny homemade submarines okay. uh, that can fit like 50 people in there, you know, things like that. People, okay. people get it. And well, they skim near the surface and they put cocaine in it with a handful of people in there and they kind of just teeter along hoping nobody sees them. <laughs> and they deliver the cocaine to uh, distributors and yep. retailers of fine, fine products. <laughs> so when you're, well, let's say you're on the ocean and you're, you know, were you in the Pacific, Pacific or Atlantic the whole time there? Actually, we were in both. Uh, okay. We did work on both sides. Perfect. So when you were out there, just um, we'll just call it the ocean. Then, if it, when you're out in the ocean in the big ship, and whatnot, and then you get on sonar or radar or something, you see this little ship taking along. Like you're not obviously chasing it with the big ship, right? Because like the little speedboats and everything else. So how, what do you just dispatch like a helicopter or something like that takes off? Um, that is that is actually a great question. One of the things is yes, we were limited by speed. This yeah. is public knowledge. I'm not telling anybody anything right. that's a secret. But you have a ship that was as long as ours was. We had a top speed of probably, just be be nice about it. Yeah. Um, it, it couldn't have been 35 miles an hour. Just bear with me an actual number. Right. Well, they were going 60 to 70 miles an hour, if not faster sometimes. Yeah. And they're small. Well... Yes, you can track them. You can get close to where they're at. It's hard to track them. It's hard to find them because they're tiny and the ocean's big. Yeah, yeah. And the one of the weird things is, yes, your helicopter, you launch a helicopter, they go look around. That's that's common, kind of common sense. I'm not yeah. telling you any secrets. Right. Comrade, uh, Comrade Vladimir's not calling <laughs> his buddies in Colombia. Um, this is how they do it. <laughs> 
They already know. We have, we have, we have secrets. <laughs> um, KGB must know this. Um, <laughs> the, the helicopter goes to track these, these cats and sometimes the, the helicopter would find them. Sometimes they'd say, Hey, over and they give us directions. I'm not saying they're right. pointing at it, but right. they, they give us directions over the radio and yeah, you go and check things out. And there's times, yeah, we, we either find, uh, a fishing boat or a speedboat <laughs> that was involved. We, it's got to scare the piss out of people that are out there just legitly fishing. And this big ass, you know, US, USSR, whatever comes over. And, you know, I'm just fishing here. <laughs> well, there's times that, yeah, the cats are just out there fishing and they'll get bewildered. They'll hear the helicopters, you know, way up in the sky and they're like looking around. They don't see anything <laughs> and they hear a helicopter. Now, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to tell like too many of the dirty secrets because. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want know. you to. <laughs> oh, well, the, about the game that the yeah. guys in the helicopters played. Yeah. It was kind of like, like yard this bingo and they drop bottles out of the sky and hit fishing <laughs> boats. Nice. Well, uh, we're not going to get in the UCMJ. I think most of those guys are probably wrapping it up by now, but dropping bottles from, you know, from a helicopter. <laughs> and you know, dropping and you know, and you know, guys sitting there because they can hear the helicopter, they couldn't see it. Right. All of a sudden, you know, hear the water, you know, like miss, you know, B one miss, you know, I five, you know, hit. You know. That's outstanding. I mean, you got to find some fun out there. How long do you guys? Uh, so, I guess you would you would call it deployment or whatnot. So. Yeah. You're not. You didn't spend the whole four years or whatever on the ocean, did you? Or, or am I guessing wrong? I mean, I'm assuming you had to come back to land a few times. It's it's real hit and miss. Um, okay. A major deployment is six months, and we're limited. You know, because of the size of our ship, we're limited in places we go. Okay. Also maintenance. Um, but I think in '01 was our first deployment. The first one I'd went on. Okay. And 03 was the last one. But in between, you have workups, which are uh, training, training new people, uh, getting our own certifications back online, um, making sure there's like a certification process where you can run the ship with the people you've got, um, all sorts of things like that. Okay. Um, and the weird part is, you would think, okay, these guys are deployed all the time. We'd go out for a week here or three or four days there. Okay. Or there's, there's times doing the community relations thing, going up to like Maine or stopping in Boston, which is nice. And you didn't always um, do little ones like that. You go on a, it's like a group sale. You, a group sale to anybody that doesn't know what that is. When you take a battle group, which is multiple ships, yep. usually you, it's kind of like a family of ships. You put them together. Yeah. And that's the best way to describe it as a family of ships. Yeah. They're related. We're all These going on a family people. vacation. <laughs> and we went down to uh, the Caribbean. And sometimes you got to do something, sometimes you didn't. But we go out there and run little drills and uh, very pleasant time. Uh, people doing navigation, people doing 
um, towing drills. Like I have to tow another ship. That's actually really cool. Yeah. And the, like a full, like a ship bigger than yours. And right. well, it's, imagine like towing, uh, towing a car with yarn. Well, <laughs> it's, you're towing a bigger ship with, with rope. But there's a process to get it over to the other people. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people understand you're trying not to hit each other. You're trying not to smash into each other. Yeah, you don't want to sink both ships. It's fun to talk trash, though, to the other people. (laughs) Like, if they see you, there's always people flipping each other off. (laughs) But Out there on a machete pretending you're going to cut the rope. Well, and, like, (laughs) one of the weird things is... There's too much tension. You, you almost the uh, there's tension on a line like that, and you know it's going to snap. You're going to have people running. You're going somebody mm-hmm. running, and you may or may not have a guy with an axe. Usually, there's an axe around. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking that uh, you know anybody out there in the Navy or something like what you did in there was kind of like out in the ocean for three to four months, come back for like two or three weeks, and then right back at it again. But it sounds kind of like a normal, and it could be different nowadays. But it sounds kind of normal, like, uh, anywhere you go for, like, if you're getting deployed to Iraq or something, you're going to go, like, once or twice in four years, not 14 or 15 times like I thought you were going to be doing. Well, the, the the guys that go to the Gulf that are attached in a, uh, just say, a unit, um, yeah. uh, Lord, the, like the squadron that, yeah. that deals with the battle group. Thank you. Uh, yeah. The battle group of, uh, like, carriers battle group. And they've got a ton of people. Yeah. And the floating city, it, it could stay out for a year, I believe. Wow. And not all at once. They do come back in for supplies. Yeah. They do they try to keep people from going nuts, which does happen. Yeah. And the thing is, I, we spent 30 days and we'd come in. Sometimes you those guys that spend 90 days out and come back in. Yeah. And That's got to be tough, though. Uh, it is, and you'll see a lot of people that, if they're not so wrapped up and, like, I guess, frazzled from the routine, like yeah. uh, Groundhog Day. It becomes yeah. Groundhog Day. And, yeah, you could do a year in your Groundhog Day, and eventually you're like, you know, me go home. You know, you're... <laughs> Sick of the shit. I'm out. I mean, I felt that way my first deployment, but... You kind of, I mean, you kind of grow up. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not some like grizzled, I'm like grizzled war hero. Mm. I'm, I just did my time. But once you made rank, I mean, if, unless you're a moron and you can't make <laughs> make rank, and there's guys that can't make rank, and of course their heart, their lives can be harder. But right. unless you're a complete, you know, dirtbag, you kind of get a hang of it. You find purpose. There's people play pranks. There's people that sleep. There's people that uh, play video games. There's right. there's all sorts of there's different little uh, cliques of people that do things. Uh, uh, it's like got, you get in your hometown. Oh yeah, and I I, yeah. I mean I read a lot, and that's that's one of the bizarre things. You would have seen me you're like there's no way the guy'd ever read. Yeah. I read a lot, and it it just helped me pass the time. I had a yeah. I talked with a guy who was a self-described, uh, a really good friend of mine. He's a self-described, uh, like, European socialist. And he was yeah. in the military. And we used to just have these 
these discussions and we used to riff and, and, you know, read stuff and talk to each other about this kind of crap. And which people think it's one of the, the, the punchlines of me being involved with counter drug operations. I consider myself a libertarian. Right. And I learned about political processes and people and things like that, uh, about current events, not just being around sounding board, you know, right. Rah, 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 I'm from Texas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like true American. Yeah. You know, you wiped your ass with the American flood. We want to put up with that in Texas. <laughs> I was just like, somebody's like, you're a communist. And I was like, you don't like George W. Bush. I was like, I was like, get alive. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the funniest thing that, uh, actually, before we get into that, what's the, what's the most amount of, uh, Drugs that you were able, or your ship was able to seize that you witnessed. Um, I it's bad because I couldn't tell you the exact amounts, but it was tons, multiple tons. Wow! To tell your the viewers about this, we had like a magazine where we had to put them in. A magazine is a storage area, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like a a periodical, but a, ma- a, a area where we store. Usually torpedoes and stuff like that. Yeah, magazines for me as where I store my five, five, six rounds. Yes, it's a, it's the same concept. <laughs> yeah, it's bad as I had one over here somewhere. I moved it around, but exactly that. It's uh, where you store uh, uh, torpedoes, torpedo mag. Okay. Well, it's a big, tall enough room. There's enough kind of room. It's kind of a L shape, but there's room to. We put cocaine in there. It was multiple busts we had, and we had one really decent bust. So we put it in there, and you start noticing the boat start to lean. Here, yeah, yeah. A list, sailors list. Well, we listed, and we had to go pump water the other side to even it back out. Why can't you just move some of the uh, the cocaine to the other side? Uh, didn't have. It, well, you would think that it was because <laughs> I'm, I'm a big guy about not putting water on a boat. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people don't know there's holds. Um, I don't know what pe- uh, people know this when you're even when you're on a cruise liner. Yeah, there's holds and there's just voids and empty spaces, and you can pump water in into a hold, or you can like transfer fuel from one area to another. Okay. And you, if you feel the ship kind of doing the gangster lean out in the water, yep. they'll say, well, we're, we've been leaning a little bit. Look Let's at our numbers. Yeah. And you'll send gas, you know, some, some, uh, marine fuel over here, yep. balance us out. Oh, well, we're li- moving a little bit here. Well, okay. We'll go forward a little bit, put like water up front. And yeah, counterbalancing it to try not to stress the metal on the ship, things like that. Right. And it, it we had, yeah, we were running out of room in that one area. And on, on the other side of the ship is not the same area. Right. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's a paint locker. And there's a guy, I'm not even going to say his name because he's a piece of crap, but he was in charge of that paint locker. Okay. And that dude was a hoot. There's no way in God's green earth you were going to put cocaine in that thing. <laughs> he probably, he probably, he probably would have bit somebody. So funniest thing that you saw out in the, uh, out in the ocean, your time in. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, I probably had a people story I could share, but 
I was off the coast of North Carolina. Okay. And I'll tell you this, Outer Banks area. You know, most people could try to handle that one. Yeah. Outer Banks and Hatteras and places like that. And I was probably, I'm going to say, the, is it the jet stream over there? Either the jet or Gulf stream up there where the water's nice and warm. Jet, I, jet stream, I believe. Yeah. I was out in, I was out in flash gear, which is firefighter gear for anybody else. We were in the middle of a drill and I mean, I was out there cause it was my job and I'm looking right. around. It's, it's boring as I'll get out. <laughs> I'm stuck out there like an idiot. I look over the side of the ship and I see a hammerhead shark. Nice. And yeah, it was a really decent size one. I'm not scared. It's actually more fascinating than anything. And all of a sudden, I see a dolphin go by and just start hitting them, like <laughs> ramming into them. And I was like, "This is the homo- This is probably the coolest things I've ever saw. Yeah. Watching a freaking dolphin fight a and that man, the hammerhead was not having it. He just tried to swim off. That wow. dolphin just pounded into him. He'd swim yeah. circles around him and hit like, him like that. Dolphin's his ex girlfriend or something. Never called back." <laughs> Just get away from me. me. (laughs) (laughs) That hammerhead. I ain't got no time for that. (laughs) (laughs) So what are the, uh, what are some of the, um, I don't know, I guess you'd call it hazing that you would do to other Navy men on a, on a ship. Nobody hazes. Oh God, (laughs) nobody hazes. (laughs) What's the best one that you you witnessed and or uh, had done to you or done to somebody else? Well, I know there's like a cross section of guys that do this, and it was like if you got involved with it, it was a sport, and like you know victors, like yep. there should have been a trophy. It was teabagging. Yep. There you and go. And <laughs> like somebody standing, if you know anything about ships, there's a set of stairs that looks like a half-ass ladder. Okay. And it's going down like this. Well, there's an angle iron, which is basically piece of steel welded it's hanging down off of the ceiling where you're walking down into okay well you can grab that angle iron mm-hmm. and on the floor down here you're going to it's usually somebody standing well you could jump off that ladder grab that angle iron and freaking drop right onto somebody <laughs> and we used to set people up because i knew that that was my area and i know people used to hang out there yep and like some new guy or something, and they'd move him. They'd literally take him and just push him two feet to the right. <laughs> and he's like looking around, like what? And like, and they just say, you know, just nothing. Give him the hands and yeah, nothing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, yay! You <laughs> <laughs> like swing down on that poor guy, and he's like, what happened? And like, you're like, yeah, he just put his junk on you. Yeah, and where are you gonna go, really, on the ship? Like. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away from that. You got nowhere to go. Like, do I swim in the ocean, get beat up by either a ham, eaten by a hammerhead shark, or beat up by a dolphin? But <laughs> rapist dolphin. <laughs> I was uh, rapist in 2006 towards like November time frame. I went to uh, South Korea, and that's when uh, I think it was November. Whenever that movie 300 came out. Well, I don't know about here for the states because i was in south korea so everything was bootlegged over there um but so i remember it was right around that time frame because we everybody would go into the big tent and watch 300 i must have watched 300 probably 300 fucking times 
(laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so there was a thing, uh, I don't even, there was no name for it. We would just walk out to, you know, another, another Marine or something like that and just fall out, kick him right in the nuts or punch him in the nuts and, you know, nut check you kind of thing. And, uh, I remember one day we all, everybody got called into like a, a circle or whatever and we had the area corpsman like the, the you know the doc but not like a uh corpsman like the head guy that sees all over all the medical stuff like a baby doc yeah so he uh he is laying right into us he's fuck you you sons of bitches i'm gonna fucking kill all of you you know and uh and everybody's like what the hell's going on you know what kind of safety brief is this because that's what we all thought we we're gonna get safety brief and then we can go out in town and you know go catch some STD or something. And, uh, you know, he tells us, he goes, if I have to stare at another Marine's junk for an hour and a half straight, cause it's so black and blue and purple. He's like, I'm coming after all. <laughs> cause I guess this guy kind of, I don't know. He, the guy gets out of the shower. Cause we had like these, uh, the pop-up showers and he mm-hmm. gets out of the shower. Cause we we're in a tent city and, uh, he gets out of the shower and the guy, I guess the guy just screamed chesty polar. And he, from what I was told, the guy kicked the guy so hard in the nuts that he actually kicked himself in the butt with his heel before he kicked this guy in the nuts. So, I mean, this guy locked cock and ready to rock them. But uh, I guess the guy's junk was all black and blue, purple, and all kinds of shit. And they had to take some of his blood out of his sack. And, like, it was bad. <laughs> But that was uh that's probably about the funniest worst thing I've got to witness. <laughs> I I mean, I had a buddy who was notoriously bad on like we we kind of like in our group we'd adopt the new the new cats. We always had yeah. some new cat and yeah, being like this is towards the end of my hall. I made yeah. E5 and I wasn't in charge of anybody, so they still called me by my name anyway. First name and Maddie and the weirdest thing is I'd, I'd take this new cat and I was like, show him out around town. And I was like, well, we're going to stop by. I'll just call him buddy, buddy's place. Well, buddy of all people has this thing. He loves to, he'll show up like if he was been drinking or something and he was wearing, he was wearing tidy whities yeah. <laughs> and, a motorcycle helmet. It wasn't his motorcycle helmet, of course. And he just walks out in there. And he's like, Hey man. And he's like, Hey, the new guy's like, Hey, <laughs> he's like, he's like, Hey man, you want to play some video games? <laughs> what kind of call of duty shit are you playing? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, and you think you're, you know, it's funny because you spend like the holidays with him. He's sitting around in his underwear and a freaking motorcycle helmet playing video games. And you're like, this guy, I mean, if you knew about him, he had a—I mean, he had a rough time, but right. It—it it was kind of funny because he was always funny, like play pranks on somebody or show his jump to somebody. He got shot. It was an accidental shooting in the leg, Uh-oh. and that was just like his thing. Like, like you're like, hey man, you want to see my wound? Somebody's like, sure. <laughs> the new guy's like, yeah man, where'd you get shot? And he'd just show you his jump. He <laughs> really did get shot, like. In the leg. Of the way. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they just—he thinks nothing about showing his his junk. He's like, "Hey, there's hair on my gum," you know, just showing you his junk. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, and can you get this hairy guy, piece of gum off my pants for me? 
that new guy would the new guys are like, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do laughing. here. <laughs> we're sitting there laughing. These cats, they were calling up the recruiters. Up. You never told me about this. <laughs> he, well, and the thing is, he was an e, E5 by then. Right. Was an E5? Yeah, I think he's an E5 by then. Mm-hmm. I was an E5. Most of, the, most of the cats are either E4 or E5. We've been around a while. And yeah. hilarious. We're like, you need to meet Gary. Gary's over there. I'm going to screw up the new guy. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, man, you must see my wound. Oh yeah, he was our, he was our war hero. That's what's sad. <laughs> like he he got hurt when we were on deployment, and he got sent to Costa Rica. Nice. And he like flashed all the girls that worked at the hospital and stuff. He's shameless. <laughs> yeah, might as well. I mean, the hell. <laughs> hell, we took pictures with him, dude. That was hilarious when he was hurt, and yeah. he's over there waiting to get like. X-ray evac'd <laughs> off of off the boat. Oh wow! And we're like waiting for a boat to or like a jeep to pick him up off the boat. He's not even in the boat. He's in the <laughs> area where I work at. He's lying down, and he's over there like taking pictures. He's so doped <laughs> up, but you could tell he barely would cover himself because, like our baby dog, God bless that guy. I always thought he was a fruit, but he's not. <laughs> and baby dog is baby dog's like. If you come over here, he's going to show us, show you his nuts. <laughs> it's going to happen. Don't come over here. <laughs> he goes, he's like so high. He's like, hey, Maddie. Hey, Maddie. I'm like, what? He goes, you see my junk? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, hey, you want to see my wound? I'm like, sure. He just shows me his junk. <laughs> yeah. I told you. I told you. Look back at him and be like, yeah, I've seen it. It's in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's a he's a hero, man. What oh, are you yeah. doing for a hero? <laughs> you gotta you're wash a, him. <laughs> wash him. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but you guys are shitbags. That dude's a hero. <laughs> well, like, he wouldn't he wouldn't do that for a hero. <laughs> you're yeah. you must you must hate the state of Texas and George W. Bush because that dude was all uh, all American hero. <laughs> <laughs> you love America, right? <laughs> you better. You look so, like the kind of guy would shoot a bald eagle. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you come to my house, I got a lot of freedom everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, when I when I leave, I said you're over there, like calling Comrade Vladimir and telling him all these secrets too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was that was handing somebody off to Gary, like because yeah. Gary. And the thing is, most people had a good idea. The one smartest dude—I'm not going to say his last name because it's a—it's a last name that's common with a, a a former president. Okay. And he shows up, and that dude actually did really well in the Navy. But for a guy who hung out with us, that dude—I mean, he—he he was a maniac when it came to drinking. But wow. you couldn't mess with him even when he was sober. Because <laughs> I was like, "You try and do stuff with Gary." Gary he's like. He's like, I'm going to punch you in the goddamn dick. <laughs> and then he, he does that, <laughs> He puts that shit in me. I'm going to fucking fight it, I swear. He's like, okay, man. Sorry, dude. Shit. His name was Matt, too. That was funny. <laughs> He's like, you're not, you're not, like, of course, it, you know, they called him by his last name as well. Yep. So, when you're getting out, do you guys, uh, so in the Marine Corps, we have these, it's called, like, SEPs. 
Do you have a program like that kind of gets you ready back for um, civilian life again? Before oh, you it's, it's supposed to. <laughs> it's supposed, so it's the same issue as, as what we got, how it just doesn't get you ready for it at all. What's um, it's it's called it's called tap tap okay. or taps, and it. I mean, they've changed it a little bit since then, and they're trying to make right. it into a real program. But they were really slow with fixing it and teaching you how to do a resume, trying to teach you common sense stuff. Okay, some yeah. of it's not as much common sense because when you left home and you're an idiot, you know, punk kid, you still don't know anything. Right, and. It, it's not that it was bad, just kind of backwards. And that's something I, I wanted to, to, you know, it's not that I was complaining about it, but people understand about there's military veterans, like veterans getting out. The one thing you've been drummed into you, and, and, the, and I know the Marines is bigger than the, the Navy. I could say the, the Marines, the esprit de corps, the, the system of, yeah. the system of being, the, the mindset, that's what yep. the system, it's a system of being. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, it take, it would take you hands down more than a couple of days to try to get yeah. a person to think like that. And it was more than work. It was being able to deal with idiots and yep. your, our system of accountability. Obviously I do. I, I could, for once I can actually speak for the Marines we're very accountable to our, our brothers, to our shipmates, to our, yeah. our fellow Marines that you know, we hold ourselves to a different standard and you wouldn't, you, you, you have to basically let your coworkers look like a bunch of jackasses and pieces of shit. And this wasn't the way it was in the military. Right. And nobody can teach you that. The class couldn't teach you that. No, absolutely. To be honest with you, and I, I, I wanted to bring this up. I honestly believed that it, it's kind of like a reverse boot camp or a, a boot camp where I, I'm going to say it was getting you trying to teach you how to be a civilian. Yeah. And especially for guys that have been in, you know, say 15 or 16 and got up or out. I don't yeah. remember what it's called. Uh, rating restricted time out. Upper out guys, that you're not ready to become a civilian, and I, I know I wasn't. I was not ready to become an employee. Right, and exactly. You know, now you can go. You know, you can shave when you want to shave. You can go to the bathroom when you need to go to the bathroom. You know, you can wear what you want to wear, and you know, it's that was the hardest thing. Is just kind of, I don't know. I kind of stayed down in North Carolina when I got out, and. uh I think that was a lot of my... I got out in 2009 where the economy was kind of crap. Mm-hmm. You know, so I ended up going down some bad roads and uh, I came back home to, to the state of Massachusetts so I can, you know, kind of fix myself again and everything. But the... I absolutely agree with you. They need to show you more of, hey, listen, this is your... This is the way your life has been for the past four, eight, 12, 16, however many years. But when you get out, you're going to go get a job in the civilian world where your boss or your fellow coworker hasn't had the same mindset as you the past 10 years. You know, you can't look at a coworker and tell him, Hey, why don't you go fucking eat a dick? Cause now you're fired and everything else. And you know, probably getting sued and, and stuff like that. So yeah. And the resume, there was no resume there. 
They didn't teach us how to do resume. My me getting out was a whole lot of this is how you do your paperwork to get out. This is how you find all your gear that you're supposed to turn into supply. A lot of people understand, and I and I, I will use generalities mm-hmm. describing the Marines because obviously I wasn't a Marine. I wasn't a corpsman, so I can't naturally say, well, I was. But speaking in generalities, when you have a rating or an MOS, a, a job, a military job, if you are, say, you were an E4 and you were a, I'll just case, say supply specialist. Okay. Yeah. And you were expected to be able to do certain things. And you didn't need a resume because people already knew what you're supposed to be able to do. And it was really hard to, now, like, small additional things, yeah, it's great. But most people knew you were a supply specialist and you were an E4. You knew, they knew what you're supposed to be able to do uh, at the bottom level. If you're, they know what a high achiever was without a resume. Right. And in my job, it was the same way. They would notice if, you're like, you don't have a warfare pin and you're an E5, which you you probably weren't batting a thousand, but they could look at your record and they could talk to you and know what right. you did. They know that, right. okay, well, he worked at uh, Millington and he was um, uh, an events coordinator, which I don't know if that really exists. Sounds great. Right. Now, Sounds legit. Just make it up out of the thin air. But uh, <laughs> the thing is, trying to create a resume that a computer recognizes, yeah. when I spent, you know, I spent four years doing a job, yep. and people didn't have to go and say, I didn't have to go turn something in if I was going to reenlist to go, I'm, you know, here's my resume. I need on another ship. And so they're reading resumes to get you on a ship. Right. Like, no, they're. Yeah, it was like you nut up and do the job. Right. Then there wasn't a tryout. They drive you nuts and get you to quit and go somewhere else. Right. I just don't think people understand there's me going to a workplace, and I hated dealing with some of these god-off chicken shits. Yeah. And in the Navy, you could say, hey, you're full of shit. Right. You said you could riff and talk shit. You could joke. You could. People did their job. It wasn't a big deal. Now you got, let's say, I want to say it was like a code of conduct. Yep. And you're like, the code of conduct doesn't say you, know, you can't, hey, man, you can't you can't talk shit. You know, we can't riff. And, but they're like, dude, we're riffing. They're like, what? Yeah, like, they don't HR know what doesn't understand that. No. HR just sees lawsuit, this, that, and the other. And- Uncomfortable workplace or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. And I mean. Hostile yeah. workplace. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain in the same sense, too, but you well, can't get it. Think of a hostile workplace as uh, like one of those forward operating bases getting hit with rockets in a rag. Mm-hmm. It's like, and somebody bitches about jokes about nuts or something. And I was like, are you serious? You really want to go down that road? Do you know what a hostile workplace is? I was like, there's people who work in the, in, in, you know, forward operating base for like, right. you know, the Fobbit jokes, but. They'll say, you know, this is nothing, man. This is a forward operating base. Try right. being, you know, down there in Ramadi in the middle of the yeah. city. Yeah. The, 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 where the SEALs and the, it was SEALs and the Marines both 
it was one of those uh, joint commands up there. The one that, um, oh, hell, what's that guy's name? Hold on. Uh, look at cheat real quick. Jocko Willink, where yeah. his, his unit was. Cause he knew, actually knew a lot of people. There is. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> and the, the weird thing is the unit he's at, there's all sorts of people from different, you know, different, uh, the different branches there. Right. But they're in the middle of a city and where people really don't trust them. And I was like, you want to talk about hostile work environment? Yeah, right like, there. <laughs> you can't walk outside of the base where you work at. And people want to like blow shit up. <laughs> and you want to joke, look, you want to tell me about a hostile work environment where you can actually leave where you work and nobody is waiting to go kill you. Yeah. I was like, and I was like, I actually had to go to work in jobs now where this is real. Like, look, they don't want somebody heard you cussing and they don't like, they hate, they really don't like it. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go eat a dick? <laughs> I have a coworker we call Bag of Dicks. Yep, absolutely. And he was actually in the military. We call him ba- BOD, Bag of Dicks. Does he know, or is that one of those secret things that he doesn't know the meaning and he thinks you're just you're playing with him? It's between everybody else, and when he's there, nobody says it. Okay, yeah. See, I'm that asshole. I'll say it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're a bag of dicks. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, the guy's going to fix himself, or he's not. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, no. He's he's like our um, he's like our lead. So it's... <laughs> okay, yeah, well. <laughs> it was... And it's funny, because I'm like, I'm the oldest... I'm usually the oldest guy on our crew. Right. Like, if, if we're have, we have a short crew, I'm the oldest guy on a crew. I'm the guy with the least amount of experience. And the guy ahead of me, the guy actually coined the term bag of dicks. Yep. He, he was never in the military. He worked at Walmart, and he was actually a really cool-ass dude to work with. He probably would have been one of them cool cats to be yep. around, but he's just like, man, he's driving me nuts. Damn bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those guys that one day he's going to get a, some X-Lax and a Viagra in his coffee. Ouch. <laughs> no, he's going to I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to find out his wife was catting around him, caught a Jody. Uh-oh. He's still around. Because <laughs> people don't know that. They didn't teach you. They don't teach you that in boot camp. Well, they do. They just, you know, the kill hats, at least for us, just tell us, like, hey, you know, everybody's sleeping with her now. You know, forget about her. She don't love you, this, that, and the other, and all that good stuff. Then you come, get out, and then you go home, and you find out she actually di- is, and she actually doesn't, so. There's, like, a, a hallway, like a common hallway, and there's, like, you know, be on the lookout for, and guys are like, there's one set of guys that are like, okay, don't marry her. The other people are like, hey, is she married? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey. Is there a trash can upside down? Like, binoculars. There's a sign. <laughs> I worked with a guy like that on the ship, dude. And yeah. he had to work late, and all these other guys got off early. You know, put off a. Yeah. They uh, they ran off the ship, and his 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 wife, who cute chick, yeah. she lived on base. And man, I heard that story. Like them cats, they were racing to get over there because they oh. knew they were gonna they were gonna leave this chick limping. And 
Somebody was like, yeah, I drove by there, and there's cats hanging out on the porch and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and he's, this guy's still at work. They're like, it's kind of like a running punchline, like, who can get out of work fast, the <laughs> fastest, so they can go mess around with, you know, beep. It's yeah. Why. yeah. I, like, I would just call out sick that day. Buster, you know. <laughs> sick. There's no sick on the ship. <laughs> Motrin fixes everything. You know that. And hydrate. Corman, the Corman will tell you, vitamin M, aka Motrin, is yep. a cure for cancer. Yeah, special, uh, special vitamin released only to the military. Yep, a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> I actually have a family member who used to be a Corman, retired as a Corman. Doesn't do that for a living in the outside world, but yeah. he blatantly told me. I asked him. I was like, "Is it true?" I was like, "I was like, sir, is it true?" Yep. That Motrin is a cure for cancer. He goes, you know this. You shouldn't even be asking this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found out actually in a, in a previous episode. I was I had the luxury of uh, interviewing a, a army medic, and I thought it was kind of like that. You know, they kind of get out and they can go right into being EMTs or doctors or whatever. You know, at the VA or whatever. But I guess he uh, he showed some light on that. That that is absolutely not the case. It, there was a, a big issue that they've – the civilian licensing people, and there were gaps in either training or the quality of training, which is funny to think. Yeah. You could trust somebody with a bullet wound. You can't trust some certain EMTs. Right. But apparently the licensing process, they've actually fixed it in the militaries, you know, militaries, all the branches, yeah. got together and said, hey – they they were able to to fix the training where all you had to do in certain areas is just put in for it and I'm like I'm really glad they did a lot of that they they do licensing and certifications now for yeah. uh, like computers and I'm trying to think of the other one uh, uh, combat control radar operators but um, stuff for DHS actually oh, and yeah. they started doing a lot of that. And made it easier for them to get certified instead of where we just sound like a bunch of dumbasses when we get out <laughs> and like, what did you do? And I'm like, you know, the commercial with the guy behind the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I did. I was that guy who. Oh, were you the one oh. sitting there or pointing? <laughs> yeah, I was the guy sitting there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. I was, somebody's like, so what do you want to do when you get out? And I'm like. I guess I'll just be a security guard like every other dumbass veteran who can't get a certification. So <laughs> yeah, freaking, it's it's not that we're losers. It's just hard to to tell people that your skills are supposed to mean something. And they've that's one of those things I was telling you about. Yeah, the classes and stuff. They're starting to push these guys to hey, just put in for that certification anyway. Sometimes it was just sitting for a test. Sometimes it was turning in documentation. Right. And it was really helping a lot of these people get out or when they get out. Now, a lot of people are like, I don't want to do this when I get out or I can't find a job doing this. That's or there's no money in, or there's no money in it as, in the civilian world. You know, like yeah. me, I, I was uh, motor, motor T, so I was an operator. So I get out. What do I, you know, I'm going to run an 18 wheeler. Oh, yeah. Cause if you <laughs> haven't seen every, every, um, veterans job magazine 
they honestly think that everybody who gets out is going to want to spend their GI Bill money going to going to like truck driving school. And yeah. I did have one of those magazines around me. It's up, up on top there. But the the one of the weirdest things, yeah, everybody in their uncle thinks that, hey, you're dumber than a bag of rocks. Why yeah. don't you be a truck driver? Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's, a, I think, a lot of veterans struggle with when they get out. You know, I struggled. For, and a lot of that was my own fault kind of sense. I stayed in North Carolina where, you know, you got Camp Lejeune right there. So, you know, one of the biggest Marine Corps bases in the U.S. So, you know, there's a lot of Marines that get out and they stay there. So, when you go fill out an application or a resume for a job and you put down, yeah, you know, Marine veteran honorable discharge, this that, and the other thing, they're like, yeah, so isn't the other 48 people that work here. What else you got? Well, I mean, I had to go back to school. I've had to do a ton of different jobs. Right. Um, and, yeah, I went to got a four-year degree. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling folks. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're automatically going to go find a job. And right. people look at you and you're like, you did counter drug ops? I'm like, please don't bring this up. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, why don't you, like, look, guys, I went, I went to school and I learned something. Yeah. I was like, good job, buddy. Like, tell them people my job experience, and I have to, they ask me for stories. Usually if you go in and people ask you for stories, it means you're not going to get hired for the job. Yeah, yeah. Like, Especially, yeah, if it's in the interview, yeah. He's not going to be, he's not going to be a systems engineer, because I guarantee <laughs> you, I was like, oh, God, I should have just told him I, I was a frequent, you know, con, con Constant masturbator or something weird like that. <laughs> yeah, air rescue or something. <laughs> well, excuse me. What are you doing? Uh, I can't help it. I can't Compulsive. Help it. <laughs> Compulsive. Like, <laughs> like that's that's that was part of your problem in North Carolina. Is yeah. you know you you're, you 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 had it. Of course, you had the desire, but they were like you're like oh, what makes you different than these other guys? You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this with no hands. <laughs> so what was it? They were like, I was I was reading the I was reading the comic strips today. Like you know, it's like I, I looked at. I saw, uh, I'm trying to think of one. It was completely nutty. It's like, uh, what's one of the comic strips? Is uh, like Luann or something. You're like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> right, man. He's he must be. <laughs> he's mentally off. Let's yeah. hire him. Yeah, <laughs> that guy would probably get a job where I work. Because <laughs> you I was like, man, they've yeah, the, the, there's people they have a high turnover rate and it's because there's either people trying to buoy for another job right. or they run into they run into people that that really weren't serious about the job to begin with, don't like travel. So some exciting news that I got here the past was it uh yesterday. I actually got uh an acceptance letter from a non-profit organization. It's called Mission 22. Yep. Yep. I got an acceptance letter from them, or email, I should say, saying that uh, I am now an ambassador for them for the great state of Massachusetts. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And, uh, you know, this podcast has a lot to do with it, too, as well, but it's uh, it's phenomenal. Um, like I said, I just started yesterday, really, with being the ambassador, so there's not a lot into it, but now I can start head, you know, pushing the word on in the Western Mass area because there's not a lot of a lot of uh, info out there for them. But DOD still haven't released it yet. I'm still waiting. Um, I checked again today for the veteran suicide rate. 
2018, we had 676 total veterans committed suicide last year throughout all the branches. And so far this, in 2019, I should say now, uh, just January through March only, we had 154. You said January through March? Only. Only. Only 154. 154. That's three months. I, that's, that's, look, they say one is too much, but that's an unbelievable number. Right. That is like horrific. Right. That's only 90 days, less than 90 days because whatever February, you know, 154. And, you know, we, me, me and Matt here are joking around in this podcast here about some stuff about, you know, getting out and dealing with the civilian world and whatnot. But the real, the real truth about this is, is that, you know, people are getting out. And they're having a hard time dealing with it, especially when they have family members too. You know, you go home, if you get, you know, you get married, a lot of veterans get married while they're in, they have kids and everything else and they get out because they're, you know, they want to be home again, you know, like, you know, they don't want to keep going on deployments and they want to be home and they're sick and tired of moving their families and their kids from state to state every two years, every six months when their orders is done. And then, you know, they kind of run into what ran, what I ran into, you know, going down with a resume saying, hey, I did four years in the Marines. Yeah, I was motor T and a marksmanship coach, but, uh, you know, I still did a lot of the training and I still been a lot of places and I still picked up rank that like anybody else would have. Um, and you still get looked less upon and now you don't have that TRICARE health insurance. You don't have that steady income coming in. There's a lot of stress factors there for uh, veterans getting out. I'm one of the lucky ones and so aren't you, Matt. Uh, we're not going to go into what you do, but, you know, you kind of told me what you did before the show. And we're kind of lucky ones here. We were able to push through the hard times and get in there. And unfortunately, like I said, 154 last in 2019, January through March, they committed suicide. That's, you know, veterans in and out of service, too. I drive by uh, Army Hospital yep. and they put out crosses. Yep. And during it's sad because it was just for one short period that they right. were showing people this. It really should kind of stick in people's crawl. I understand three, that 90 days, 154 people. Yeah. I was like, first, it you know, the wounds of war is yeah. real. Oh, yeah. And you, and you couple the wounds of war with losing losing the, the support system that we knew in the military. Obviously, I don't speak for, you know, for being in the Army or the Marines. Right. But I believe that I, I mean well that when we had the support system, we had people, we had accountability, we had people that cared. Right. And when, when you get out and you're thrown to it, you're thrown into a foreign environment. And a lot of people understand it has been that bad. Not everybody is, you know, a war hero. Not every, like the, the, right. the, Pardon the red carpet isn't rolled out. I was like a roll, you know, right. rolling red carpet. Right. And the 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 bad part is that a lot of people struggle. I don't understand. I, I couldn't say that it was a struggle on my part, but a lot of people understand. I and I know I'm not the only one right. getting fired. Yep. Uh, not sleeping well, insomniacs. Uh, yeah. Stress. Uh, you gotta change. You gotta change everything. Just to, just about everything about you when you get out. 
You know what I mean? So now you got, say you did four, even four years, you know, you had four years of your life was all structured. It was all, this is where you're going to be. This is what you're going to do. This, that, and the other thing. Then you get out and you're thrown to the wolves and now you got a new life that you got to figure out. So when you went into boot camp, you were forced to figure that new life out. Now you're just kind of, in a roundabout way, you're kind of just on the streets now. You know, you got, you're alone, you're on the streets. And you got nobody to help you kind of get pushed through there. And that's what this organization is trying to help people, you know, get pushed through. And, and the families too, your family members too. The organization helps out the family members as well, the wife, everything else. Now your husband's home and he's going through a lot of stuff. And, you know, that's getting down onto the onto the family members as well. And they can get some help. It's very hard and it's very sad that, you know, these young men and women are, you know, they do their time to get out, to go home and... And then they commit suicide. You know, and the struggle to find purpose. And I've, I've said that for me, I said yeah. the struggle to find purpose. I've, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not riffing off their name at all, but mission. We right. didn't have men, you know, the, the men and women, both, uh, right. we don't have mission. And one of the hard things is, is trying to figure out your next mission. Not having a support system, not having any structure or anything. Yeah, it's bad because I'm I'm closing my eyes. I it, I tell folks I'm getting frustrated about people take their lives coming out of the military. I know the guy, and I'm I've actually met some guys that survived uh, uh, an IED explosion in Iraq, yeah. and it you know I'm a, I'm a non you know disabled veteran, and right. I meet these guys. They were, you know, they're disabled. The one guy's missing a leg. Right. And he, he walks. Right. And I guarantee he probably doesn't like want to be called disabled. Just happens to be missing a leg that he lost in Iraq. Well, that's because yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the disabled, we'll say in parentheses, disabled veterans out there are not actually disabled. They're just trying to get some free money. And so now and, they get people that are actually disabled and they don't want to get labeled that. And that adds to their stress factors and, and well. Coming back, and I asked him, I said, does anybody ever joke with you? Because he told me a story, and I looked at the leg, and I looked at the other cat with him. You could tell he had some neurological issues. Right. And he was with him during one of the explosions. And thank God, you know, I, I tell people I'm missing my one of my shipmates. Right. I don't know how you feel, but I, I, missed, I missed don't have him here. Right, but that guy had that guy with him, and you know the gentleman with the missing leg told me he says nobody, they act like I don't exist, and I'm like, what? They don't even joke with you. There's nobody jokes. They yeah. they walk the other way, and they kind of some people are scared. I'm like, well, what? You're gonna kick them with that metal leg? You know, trying to joke with them because yeah. people literally they're like, it's it's either they're that uncomfortable, you know, being around him, yeah, or it's that just like he's almost like a pariah. I was like, he was a guy, did his job, and he was—I mean, he was a gentleman to me. Right. And I was like, it, it hurt. I mean, it hurt. I was almost in tears talking to the guy, and he knew—I mean, he knew I was crying because I told him, I said, I'm a veteran, and I didn't go through near what these guys did. Yeah. And or ever will, because he's—you know—he lives his life like that. And my, you know, I would say my battle. My battle might be cancer, but this this cat's 
I, was, I told him, I said, you did more than I could ever dream of. Right. And he goes, no, you did your job. He told me, he goes, you know, he says you're a hero to me because you just did your damn job. He goes, that's all he ever asked for is other veterans to do their job. Do their job. And I told him, I said, I, I feel weird when people say, hey, you know, thank you for your service. They, they, the heroes welcome crap. They do that. They still right. do that. And I, I know it means something to people. I'm not trying to be ugly. Please. Right. Right. I, like, I was telling your viewers that too. I'm not trying yeah. to be ugly, but I told him, I said, I don't deserve any of that. He goes, yeah, you did. You did your job. He's, and he says, you don't have a right to feel bad about me. And yeah, I was in tears. I said, dude, I'm, you know, I, I gave him a hug because I was like, I couldn't imagine somebody doesn't treat him like even a person. Yeah. There's people yes. like that. They're everywhere. There's, oh, yeah. I guarantee you in that 154, there's a lot in there that were just like that dude. Oh, yeah. And believe it would, it would hurt me to think that that guy could have been in those number of people. Yeah. And any, any of those veterans, I'm, any veterans. You know, I'm kind of, I'm frustrated right now because DOD didn't release the rest of the year. I'm nervous about it too because. In 90 days, we got 154. In, tw- in 2018, out of 365 days, we only had we had 676. So I'm kind of nervous on how many we got in 2019. I, you know, I I sit back and I hope that number's not going up. You know, this in 2019, especially the way the economy is nowadays. But you mean, like I don't know if I've ever told you. I don't speak off of uh, Mission 22's mission at all. But to tell folks, I was like. I had an idea, and somebody actually else had, had, had did an experiment with these guys. They're coming back from a deployment, yeah. and they had them on a uh, like a beach house, and they uh, I think they kept them away from guns, you know, naturally, but um, had them if they didn't have a schedule, it was a really really loose schedule, and they had them playing games, hanging out at the beach, probably video games, you know, Google right. stuff. Like that. And before they went home from a deployment, I, I kind of had said that about people in the military was my kind of dream would be to take people and do a reverse boot camp. Yeah. It would be. It like, makes sense. I want, and here's the thing I want, I don't want you discharged. A discharge is something you do with bodily fluids. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm dead serious. I think that way about that word. I think you should graduate. Yeah. I think you should, like, after that process, whatever this process is, you should graduate, and you should, these people should be celebrating. And how many of us have left the service and nobody was celebrating? <laughs> Probably a good 95% of us. And I honestly think uh, the person who I stole that idea, the celebrating idea, yeah. was, um, he's retired now, but Captain Abershoff. Mm-hmm. The guy behind This Is Your Ship? Yep. I think I paraphrased the name of the book, but yeah. I think he used to celebrate when people were getting honorably discharged. And he used to go and people would clap and shake hands and stuff like they were graduating high school. Yeah. You know, like even even guys with the guys who had to go to the hospital for the help, like the guys that had to go to launch stool, the guys that had to fly over to Walter Reed and places like that, Bethesda. Right. And I was like, for these guys to, to leave with and not have anything. Nobody, I guarantee nobody was celebrating. 
that when these guys walk or roll out of there, not joking about the rolling part, but somebody should have been celebrating. Somebody like right. You're sending somebody home. They they were just sent home. They were then nobody. I mean, it's one thing like you're not a caregiver or a. I'm thinking of a a person who runs your. Uh, the person in charge of your, your, you, you got a, f- a file and that person's your, you know, uh, person supposed to chase your file for you. Personal that's, assistant that's, or something. That's their job, you know. Right. There's nobody, you know, especially other veterans. I honestly think the VA, not the VA, the, the military should have called people in your hometown or the nearby town. They should have been fucking celebrating, waiting for you there. Right. I'm like, not me, you. Everybody else. Absolutely. And they should have been, you should have been the people that in your community, yeah. like the veterans and people, it really like, especially non people, we should have been doing for that. We should have, oh, yeah. well, I, my neighbor passed away as a Vietnam veteran yep. and I, and I wanted to put on a billboard, welcome home. Cause nobody ever said that. Nobody, right. he came home, people spitting on him and stuff. Nobody ever welcomed him home. And well, I, I want you. I don't. I, I not only do I want these veterans to come home. I want them to graduate. I want them to yeah. be in the community. They're they're yeah. a part of me. They're a part of the community. Right. And I like. I wish people. I, I don't even know how I would do that. Besides being the one guy. If somebody ever said, "Hey, there's a guy heading your way. Can you stand on the corner of, you know, uh, Highway 31 with a sign?" It says Highway 31 is long, so you're not going to find me. But Highway 31 <laughs> with a sign that says, you know, welcome home, right. brother. You know, right. Absolutely. Even Marines are my brothers. You, yeah, you got to work hard, but you guys work a lot harder than I did, <laughs> but you're still my brothers. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I f- absolutely feel the same way about you. And I've said it in previous episodes too, as well. I don't really care. It says U.S. and, you know, Marines bash the Air Force and, Everybody bashes the Navy. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, U.S. is U.S. And we're all fighting for the same cause here. But unfortunately, like, you know, like you're saying, the Vietnam. My grandfather did Vietnam. I remember being a teenager and he used to take me to the local VFW. To, and sadly, if the v- listeners out there don't know what the VFW stands for, it's it's a club. It's called Veterans from Foreign Wars. And it's kind of like uh, you have to go fight on overseas soil and everything to rate become a vfw member my grandfather once said it to me he's like you know when i come here for my meetings every month that's my coming home parties because he never had it Viet, you know vietnam vets never had any anything like that and they and we're starting i think we're starting to see that now with with the veterans getting out now there's nothing out there for anybody really besides mission 22 and you know your friends and in, in, in your family um, I will say this much: just a handful of people they're they're getting veterans involved with little events and stuff right. uh, like RWB. And I don't know if there's RWB up there, but um, it's a slow. I guess it's a proactive thing. More, I'm not bad mouthing VFW. It's it was a different thing for people who went right. to Korea and and Nam. And to be more proactive with a more modern slant, you start having clubs like RWB and you have, you know, there's people like other organizations. It's, it's a slow grow, but I think getting veterans, even if you, 
a little club like that where you get to be a veteran, they let their families in, and it's not, uh, I guess we're not hiding anymore. And I think people feel like the the folks that I've seen that, that were with RWB and, and other outfits like that, it's, they're not hiding. They're not sitting around drinking. Which, you know, they drink some, but <laughs> to, to tell folks you're, I, I wasn't in a war. Right. It's funny because I did drug war stuff. Technically, I wasn't in a war. When you don't have a mission anymore and you went from having purpose or goals that you wanted to hit yep. and you're basically thrown out on your carcass, you're collecting checks or it was tough. I mean, now to tell people about mission, being depressed, not having purpose, like Right. It's tough. It's tough to have somebody you was trusted with multi-million dollar piece of equipment, and you're just like I'll say even what about the guys that were with the uh, Task Force Bruiser, and they had objectives and stuff. Okay. And just imagine you're in you're in the you're in the civilian world, and you have no objectives anymore. Yeah. And That's I'm, tough. I had, I had to learn how to do it. I had to yeah. learn I mean, even to now. I'm not hitting nearly as many objectives I've set for myself. And it's something that we're having to basically tell folks now. We're having to teach veterans this. And yeah, bad. Like, just like I told you, that reverse boot camp thing, teaching objectives, teaching people how to look for purpose. And it's bad because the military was our purpose. Absolutely. You're, it's not that you're a second class citizen, you're just a weird citizen. Because you're not yeah. like everybody else. <laughs> and, and and especially, I would say, you know, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Right. And that's something I, I was reading about being a Marine. Right. Being a squid, learning about Marines. <laughs> and the the guys that you run into, I'll even say the Lee Harvey Oswald guys that got kicked <laughs> out. You know, yeah. bad joke, bad joke, folks. Yeah. Um, he was he, they never got the Marines out of them. They, no. Charles Starkweather, the guy that shot up the clock tower and uh, yeah. off the, killed a bunch of people in the clock tower. Yeah. He was a Marine to the day he died. Yeah. And it's sad because, well, he was, he had some problems and I look, the Marines never stopped being Marines and you took that structure away from them. Yeah. And the things that, people used to get into in the sixties and seventies was gangs when you needed structure and you, I'm not saying it was bad if you got into combat sports because that's a a level of dedication. I mean, meeting these guys I've known that were the Marines and some of them, they still tell me they honestly believe their purpose is they're waiting to be called back. They've been out 20, 30 years, 50, 60 year old guy says they honestly think that, the Chinese, the Russians are, the Russians are going to attack and the Marines will call them back any time. Yeah. And I bet you they got a suitcase or something downstairs with all their gear in it. <laughs> Ready yeah. to go. And it's, it's weird because it's one time I laughed about it and I stopped and I said, the older I got, I'm like, that was their mission. That was uh, a common, it wasn't a common goal, but there was always a purpose for vigilance and always yeah. a purpose for doing, uh, being in the infantry, for example. Yeah. There's no point in doing infantry work when you're not, when you have no adversary, right. when you don't have, 
And when you when when you get out, how will you function? Yeah, and you're like people make their own enemies. People yeah. make enemies around them. Yeah. That's that's something sailors can tell you. Even CD ops people learn. They're like, I don't have a mission. I'm like, we're not going to go and hit up a drug boat. We're going to drink. We're going to screw. We're going to right other unhealthy things in life that other people don't understand. We're going to have to substitute. We got to substitute, and and if you don't have objectives, that mission, you don't have objectives. Yep. I mean, going to med school would be one thing, but I sure as hell know there's a lot of people I don't want as a doctor. So, <laughs> so coming up is a couple of events right now. That mission twenty two, um, while we're still on the topic, they have so February fourteenth through the sixth through sixteenth, uh, twenty twenty this year. It's called Thunder by the Bay. It's down in Florida. So if you're anybody down there, if any of the listeners down in Florida, uh, get on mission twenty two dot com. And get more information on that. Uh, come April 25th through the 26th, they got Break the Silence in Kansas. It's a day of live music, guest speakers, food, drinks, and much more. All ages able to attend that event. And if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and anything that myself or Matt said to you, you're sitting back and you're going, holy shit, these guys are right. You know, one day I'm told how to do everything, the next day I'm on my ass and you're really struggling with that, you know, I, I advise you to call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1, all right? And if if I'm talking to a family member that knows somebody that's going through this or a friend or anything, anybody can call that number for anybody. Don't think that since you call that number that, you know, the cops are going to go to this guy's house, this, that, and the other thing. That, that may not be the case. The person on the other end of that line can just give you some pointers or some ideas how you could help that veteran next to you that you're calling about. And if you, if you don't want to call, you'd rather just text because you can't, you don't want to be on the phone. Maybe you're at work or whatever. You can just text uh, 838-255. And that's those two lines right there are direct to Mission 22. And somebody on the other end there is uh, be gladly to help you out. And you can always contact myself as well. You know, uh, American Vet Podcast at Yahoo.com anytime you want. I'll be honest, I'm always looking for something to do. So if you're down and out or whatnot, I'll come to you. If you're close, I'm not going to drive to California, but. Um, I wanted to tell you guys, you're not wrong for asking for help. Right. If, if you, if you're trying to help somebody and you're, and you have the right spirit here yep. and you think somebody needs help for you, you're, you're hitting step zero and actually giving a crap. Right. And you want to help somebody and you don't want them to harm. Your heart's in the right place. You're yeah. not doing anything wrong at all. And I've said that. I'm not making it about me, but a lot of people understand they deal with me. One yeah. of my things is I give a crap when people are, I call it harming themselves. Right. Uh, you know, it, it really is. I've had people like that in my life who cared about me like that. Yeah. And it's not wrong for you to stop and say, to grab somebody and say, hey, I need a hand. Right. Or it's not out of hand. And you call and you ask for help, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. You're 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 not a rat for trying to help somebody. Yeah, and like That's I said, you know, you, yeah, you can you can call them and you don't even have to give them your name. And you don't even have to give them the name of the veteran that you're trying to help. 
you can get ideas or or whatever. You know, these people uh, listen. The people that you call or text are are so much higher than I am qualified to tell you. You know, I'm sure they hear it all. You know, I'm sure there's something that you're going to tell them that they haven't heard or they might not have an answer for or anything like that. Just you know, like Matt's saying, just you know, don't don't hesitate. Just go out there. If, if you're sitting back, going, "Man, this guy's," and you're thinking about a veteran's life, and you're like, "Man, he was a lot better beforehand," and now he's just really going down to the shitter. That's where you either need to step up and help him out, or or call someone and get some ideas on how to, if you tried. And as much as I live a secular life, and I I've kind of closed off a little bit, and I don't see a lot of it, I had a guy on the ship, and this was still an active duty, and the guy took his own life. And yeah. this was years after I left, but I knew people on the ship with him. Right. Like, if you had thought, you know, would you want to be that guy who said, I honestly could have called somebody. Right. I could have grabbed him and said, you know, shook him and said, hey, don't fucking please know. Right. And I'm not even, yes. That's why I was saying you should call Mission 22, because if you're like me, I don't verbalize well and everything it comes out sounds like, like drawable mess. <laughs> but the only thing I could say that I have in common with mission 22, I give a crap. Right. I, I want you, I want you to be better. I'm one of these people. I don't want you to harm yourself. I want you to get better. I want you to feel better. Right. It, it might, it might take you years to feel a sense of wholeness. Right. I want you to get there, and and if you need to make that jump and call somebody, call somebody if you're trying to help somebody. I said it's calling, call, calling for air support. Is that what they called it these days? Yeah, yeah. Like everybody likes a gunship, you know. Those look, Mission Twenty Two is is a convenient gunship. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Call them in. <laughs> let them let them throw. If they, I don't even throw. Uh, it's a twenty-two Mike Mike. Yeah. So, Bunch of twenty-two mic mic and players, <laughs> just just let mess them. it all. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the ground giving a crap about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a marine, and I'm not that guy you would call in for a firefight. But I give a crap enough. I'll call for air support. Right. I'm gonna call somebody who brings the business. Like yeah. every marine knows that the boys on the beach could call the guy on the ship who shoots. Uh, uh, Naval surface fire. Yep. They call in grids and call in for effect. They look, mission 22 is like the, the surface fire support guys. <laughs> Just, they're, they're, they bring magic. They're, they're a Absolutely. lot better at it when you need them. Absolutely. And, and if you're sitting there thinking that, you know, mission 22 is run by some civilians, I don't know what they're talking about. You're absolutely wrong. It's three guys, two special force, one infantry man. And all three of these guys that run mission 22, they deal with their own PTSD and their own own TBI and TBI's uh, traumatic brain injury. They deal with it on a day to day basis themselves, and they understand the struggles. And they're the ones that decided to you know make Mission Twenty Two and and open it up to veterans and open it up to people who care and people who understand some things that some people are going through. But you know, I'm not going to say I understand what every veteran out there is going through. I just want to say it again, Mission 22, 1-800-273-8255, and just press 1, or you can text them at 838-255, and uh, 154 in three months is just too much. 
That's getting way out of hand. It it was a joke that one was too much. It's not a joke. It's right. 153. It's it's hard to explain that on a ship when we went on deployment was 240, 250, and to think <laughs> that in three months you wiped out a half a ship and it's bad as I'm like. People don't think of numbers. They think of what you've done in just three months. Right. And you, I'll even make it even more ugly and personal. An aircraft carrier like the Lincoln, which yeah. is people on the Lincoln would probably call it the floating prison, not the floating city. But you're talking about uh, three or four thousand, five thousand or something. Yeah. And you said, you know, 154 in three months. And you do the math and you figure out what an entire year was. And you're looking at, I mean, you're looking at wiping out an aircraft carrier in like in 10 years. I'm sorry. You're wiping out aircraft carriers. I yeah. mean, for a Navy guy, I'm like, these are, these are people that I guarantee somebody gives a shit about them. Somebody to have families. Yeah. And they, there's a mission out there. There's people needed back in our communities. They're coming home, and they're not coming home. Right. That's the best way to describe. I'm sorry, I don't mean to crow on. It's yeah. it's just no. I mean, it's a serious, it's a serious topic, and uh, there's are people, and they're not numbers. It's not 154 dollars. It's 154 people. And yeah, I don't think people understand what that means. Yeah, it's, there's it was an actual person who had a birth certificate. Yeah, had and a, that maybe a family, maybe kids. Maybe wife, yes, brother, sister. I just want to say, like I said, mission twenty two. Contact them one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Press one, or you can text them at eight three eight two five five, or you can email me personally at American Vet Podcast at yahoo dot com. Don't give me your name. I don't want any of that. Don't give me your name. Don't give me. Uh, where you live or anything like that, just send me some emails if you want, and uh, I'll definitely respond back to them. And I want to say thank you to Matt for coming on to the the podcast here and spending your time with us and telling us your story and welcome you anytime going forward. And listeners out there, if you want to be on the show, once again, American Vet Podcast at yahoo.com. Thank you, Matt. Hey, thank you, guys. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.